Welcome to the Broad Ripple Village Podcast. My name is Brian Wheat, your host, podcasting from Village Recording Studio right here in Broad Ripple. My guests today are Captain Casey Sweeney, Rescue Firefighter Kenneth Lang, and Rescue Firefighter Matthew Ramey of the Indianapolis Fire Department. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, we've got a new segment of Where's Brian? We've got a very dramatic interview. And then for Open Stage, we feature Steve Ali Big Band. Before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors for this episode, Broderful Brew Pub and Bricks. We'll hear more about these uh, sponsors a little bit later. But first, we want to go to our first segment, which is Where's Brian? I introduced this segment last week, and I played you a recording of me at a location in uh, Broad Ripple, and you were supposed to guess where I was just based on the audio clues. So I was a little surprised by this. We had a lot of wrong guesses and only one right guess. So um, I thought it was pretty easy, but evidently it was not. The actual location was the Broad Ripple Farmer's Market, um, and the winner is Andrew Binkey. Hopefully I pronounced your name right, Andrew. So you can, if you can, next time you're on Broad Ripple, drop by the uh, Village Recording Studio and pick up your Broad Ripple Village pint glass. All right, so let's move on to this week's Where's Brian? Like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to play your recording. It's about, uh, I think it's about a minute long. And then um, I'll give you some details about how you can uh, guess, make your guesses, and what this week's prize is. First, let's take a listen. Welcome, you guys. Have a good night. Uh, Hi, how are we? Good. Thanks. How many am I getting today? One. Two, three, 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 three. Well, uh, fingers are changed. Thank you. You're welcome, baby. What your flavors is going to be? Yeah, um, banana, pina colada, and French vanilla. All right, so that's this week's Where's Brian? Um, you can send your guesses to me at uh, bwheat at villagerecording.com. That's B as in boy, W-H-E-A-T, at villagerecording.com. And I'm upping the ante on the prize this week. Going to be giving away a Broad Ripple t-shirt that is not available anywhere else. It's the classic Broad Ripple Village with the duck um, if you drive down Rutherford Avenue right before you get to the Vogue, you'll see the sign that has this um, image on it, and that's what the uh, shirt has. So it's one of a kind. So send your guesses in, and I will award the first five guesses with that wonderful T-shirt. All right, as I mentioned earlier, Broderick Ice Cream Station is one of our sponsors this week. Uh, Broderick Ice Cream Station has been on the uh, Monon for the past eight years. And it's such a great stop in the Monon, um, serving up great ice cream, all sorts of great flavors. We've always loved stopping there for the uh, ambiance and the ice cream. They also have a new ice cream truck, kind of a traveling truck that's going to be at the Ruoff Mortgage Music Center for the concerts 
the summer. So be sure and stop by and get some ice cream while they're rocking out. And then also stop by on the Monon for some delicious ice cream. My interview this week is with the recipients of an international award for Rescue of the Year. Indianapolis firefighters responded to a call on July 9th, about a year ago, 2017. And that call was for two kayakers that were in peril on the White River. This is their story of their rescue of those two kayakers. My name is Kenny Lang. Uh, I'm on Engine 14 C shift. I'm on the back step there. Uh, that particular day, I was the bowman in the boat. Okay. Uh, Matt Ramey, I'm on ladder 14 C shift, and I was driving the boat. Casey Sweeney, I'm captain at station 14 on the engine on the C shift. So let's let's go back to that day. Um, what it day? was July 9th. July 9th. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> maybe you can walk through what how it. Um, how it even got started. If, if you guys are cool, I'm going to speak up to the point where we deploy the boat. That's and fine. then you could, yeah, essentially I end up being, I run the operation. So okay. I was never really in harm's way other than my finger pointing, but sure. um, these guys were the ones that out there doing the work. Sure. So we get dispatched and our dispatch doesn't really break it down. They'll get a call from anyone in this, in this case, I believe it was someone on the Monon trail, you know, that the okay. pedestrian yep. bridge. And it was started as a drowning rescue. Okay. It, it, which which is really is a an umbrella for we don't know. And did it come through nine one one? Yeah, so someone will call nine one one. We have a dispatch center downtown. Okay. That it gets routed through nine one one by default will go to police. As soon as they know it's a rescue run, they kick it over to fire and then we have a an automated dispatch that comes out that sends the appropriate uh, companies that need to respond. So it started our first engine here. Okay. It started another engine from uh, up there at, at um, Westfield and 86th Street, uh-huh. right next to North Central High School. Yep. Sixes. And so, yeah, sixes and 32s, they were the first two on the scene. And then it started us. So okay. they were, but we in the station, we will have to get off. We all move into one big, what do we call our tactical unit, uh-huh. off of our normal units. So we all kind of converge on that and then respond. And then we also pull, have to hook up our boats. Right. I saw and that. So there, we're slightly delayed getting out the door, but right. But there were already people arriving on the scene. So en route, I'm trying to gather as much information as we can. It's pretty hectic in there because guys are getting dressed. They're getting their mask on. We've got communication lines that will allow us to talk back and forth to a diver when he's underwater. Okay. So we're preparing for that, knowing we've had a lot of rain and not certain what we're going to run into. So upon arrival, I get out to walk down to see what it looks like. Right away, I see downstream, basically underneath the pedestrian bridge, mm-hmm. there is a guy holding on to debris, which we call a strainer. Mm-hmm. It brings the debris and it gets caught. It creates like, you know, like a strainer would. Right. He's holding on. He's exhausted, and people are saying there's another person in the low-head dam. So what these low-head dams are, for, for people who don't understand, it's I'm not real sure the purpose of them. It has something to do with water elevation or changes or, mm-hmm. or whatever, but when the conditions are right or, I guess, wrong, it creates a, a big circular motion at the bottom of it that things, debris or anything that gets in there, it will churn them over and over and over and you might hear these guys talk about a boil. It looks like water's boiling mm-hmm. at the bottom of it. It pops up yes. and it, it looks like boiling water. I've seen that condition. So when we got there, 
there was still a victim in there that was witnessed to go unconscious. By, in the boil. Yes. In the boil. So what, you know, the person will come up and it might put them out a little bit to where they kind of start to get a breath and it'll suck them right back down. Oh and it, it's pretty vicious. This Pulled thing down. will pull entire boats underwater yeah. and spit them back up. Um, nonetheless, so we roll up and that's kind of the scene and it's kind of a tight area, mm-hmm. but the water was up high enough that we were able to just, we have one of our boats, we can just launch by hand. And where and did you launch at? We launched in the, the person's backyard just uh, just south of the river okay. and to the southeast corner of okay. the river in Westfield Boulevard. Okay. There's gotcha. a yard right there. and Yep, I know, I know what you're talking so about. So th- there was, that was our only option. Now, yeah. 32s did a pretty good job. They were already on the scene. They tried to throw a rope down to the guy who's caught in the strainer. Okay. And they tried to throw him a life vest, but he was he wouldn't move his hands. He was He's too tired. So tired. Yeah. And we later came to find out that, I mean, he was... The amount of effort or the, what it took out of him being in that boil uh-huh. before it finally spit him out, he just had nothing left. Wow. But um, so we got in and decided that Matt was our boat handler that day. Uh, Kenny was actually in dive rotation, but he was already suited in in water rescue equipment. Mm-hmm. So we put him in the boat as the, you know, he said the bowman kind of right in the front. Okay. He was also the rescuer. So as Matt's handling the boat, sure. which is... In love itself is it's no easy feat in now this type of water. You're south of the boil. The boil is just to the uh, east of gotcha. Westfield Boulevard, yep. and then uh, the pedestrian bridge is just to the west, and right. so that's where the strainer was. It, it was a tight area, and it was it was pretty sure. nasty. Now, the other thing, just to to lay out the conditions between the boil and the strainer, that water level had risen because of the strainer. Mm. So across the middle of that bridge for a pretty long span, there was there were some massive trees that were clogging it up and it was creating just fast moving water just around the edges. Sure. And there was about a seven foot drop off. Yeah. That went down some logs and then you were then you were down in the normal Williams Creek. Wow. Seven foot. Well, I'd say every bit of it. All I know is when he went over it, I couldn't see him anymore for a few minutes. Like, where are they? So it was decided that we were going to try to approach the victim in the boil, Mm -hmm. in the dam. Mm -hmm. And even though he'd gone, we he was witness to go unconscious. So we thought we we might have a chance if we can get him out quickly to revive him. Um, And it became pretty clear that the conditions might not allow it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm going to let these guys pick up from there because. We'll let them have what what they saw. They were out in the water. Yeah. And then I, you know, I was kind of, we were like this, looking at each other, and I was running radio communication for everything else. So. But you were on site. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 So. Gotcha. I was what they called. I was running the operation. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I I was rescuing the boat, the bowman. Um, we we went out and we approached the boil and, and Matt. You can approach it. You can't get into it because it's aerated water. If you get into it with your motor, you're you, your motor has nothing to bite on because of the bubbles and the aeration in there, so you can't get in there. No, it just let me ask, what happened to the guy that was holding on to the stranger? Did you rescue him? We're not the yeah, we hadn't. You had not, a, we had decided to go to the other guy okay, first because he, he was, was in more dire. He was conscious. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Correct. Okay, gotcha. So Matt got Matt got us to that point, and if I remember correctly, um, I'm I'm pointing. He's right there. He's right there because where I was sitting, he was looking through me. He couldn't necessarily see him, but. Again, that boils there. Our really only option is to throw a throw bag to him. And he was unconscious. He would have nothing to grab onto at that point in time. Um, And we weren't using our motor. We were sitting still because that water was going underneath us and the way that rotation is. But So we were out of the boil. 
just sitting there. And once we we figured out that he was unconscious, we looked at uh, our captain and basically shrugging like, well, what do we do now? We can't. Right. That's when it was decided to go get the other guy. Okay. So Matt did what's called a peel out, which is basically a 180. We went down, uh, approached um, approached the guy, and remember, in moving water, in, in, in order to have control of the boat, you have to be going faster than moving water. So he approached him, uh, would have been the right side of the boat if I remember correctly. Um, it was all one. We, as soon as he approached him, we kind of hit him. I grabbed him, pulled him in the boat, and Matt took off, and we went over to shore as the short of, okay. of that rescue. So you had to reach over pretty far to yeah our, our our boat's a 12 and a half foot okay. zodiac um and no it was just he he brought it we were right there matter of fact we pinned him against the log okay very very briefly pulled him in and so i mean as soon as we came in as soon as we touched i pulled him in and matt was gone because the last now, thing we wanted to be is stuck on that strainer with oh, that yeah. volume of water but you're approaching this guy you don't know how much he weighs i mean but it's you your strength because I don't know how he picked him up. Honestly, yeah. it is really hard the, to get somebody out of water. We've we've done plenty of drills and done classes later on. We're trying to pull people in the boat, and I remember sure. thinking, I don't know how the hell I got this guy in the boat. Right. Well, so, he also had nothing on. He was he naked. Had nothing. Yeah, he was naked. The it, the all of serious? his clothes had been ripped off from the By water. The boil. And That's um, and he is. deliberately took his life vest off because he had read somewhere he might be able to get low enough and spit out. So he had nothing on. Oh my god! Which makes it even tougher to grab on. You know, wet skin. Oh yeah. But that even change. Yeah, that yeah. Can he? Now, two of them. It was just. It was fantastic to see. So. Yeah, I mean that, and and just to position it in that, position the boat in the right place so he could, because you want him to be as close as possible, right? Oh yeah, we, we were, there was no choice but to yeah. be right up on right. him. Right, yeah. so um, you had to you had to bump up against him. I mean, there was no there was no question yeah. So about the concern that. was because you have to understand that in flood water and swift water, the the scale of the force of the water is really outside of almost anybody's you know experience or comprehension. We're talking about um, you know, millions of literally, because I, I, I looked at the flow rates, millions of pounds of water per second mm -hmm. flowing. I mean, the, the the even in a boat, even with a motor, mm -hmm. there's no it. guarantees. Right. And ideally, if we could keep the boat pointed upstream, mm -hmm. we have the most control and the most uh, likelihood of of um, success. But because we were backing up to a strainer. We have to be careful because if our motor hits the logs and we lose power, oh, then then we're yeah, then we're ruined. So away, yeah. um, and possibly in just as much danger as everybody else. We had to approach with the flow of water, like Kenny yeah. was describing. We had to stay faster than the water, which was already moving at a clip, wow. and then turn um, into the flow and once uh -huh. we're broadside of the water uh -huh. now we've opened ourselves up to all those forces as well and again those millions of pounds like so flipping over the boat absolutely. yeah getting pressed up against those logs and then being pitched over yeah so um, just so we had to come in at kind of a an angle to capture him and then manipulate the boat away without tailing into the the logs up you know against all that force of water 
So it was just a little bit of finesse to get us to, to peel away that way. No, we I have one shot. With him. Yeah. We have one shot, and that was it. Yeah, the big concern was that you really should be pointed upstream the whole time because right. that's how your boat can manage it. Now, you can, you can, you're in a control then. It's nice, right. and you can kind of ease your way wherever mm -hmm. you want. As soon as you get sideways, you're in a big trouble. And if you're downstream, you're, you're racing with fast water. Oh so gosh. that... What what he did, how he was able to bring that boat in there um, with a one-time shot and successfully yank him out. And I mean, it was lickety-split. It came down, they grabbed him, and they were gone. And it was it was really, it was nerve-wracking for me because a bump and have to readjust oh, could have put the victim down and gone. He'd have been caught. He could have been below the water, caught in the strainer, and he'd have been there until the water came down. Okay, so so you've got him out of the water. Um, in the boat. What happens next? We got him in the boat. I tried to, between where we picked him up and shore where they were standing, I don't know, 100 feet. It wasn't very far. I tried to assess what his condition was. I got down in his face. I didn't know what his condition was. He did. I can, really can't even remember the conversation, but I remember there was a conversation. Okay. So he was he breathing. He was coherent. In a, in, exactly. In so that was really sense. enough for me. I tried to get a life jacket on him, but it was so fast. We tried to get him over to the shore so by the time they grabbed him and got back over to where we launched, which is where I was standing, mm -hmm. you know, Matt came and kind of beached it over by where where I was standing so we could get him out. It wasn't it wasn't even 45 seconds. I mean, they got wow. him. He turned around. He kind of came up. He, he took his time as he got closer to me to decide where to boat to dock or to beach it. And then he came in. And that's wow. kind of how it played out okay. there. At least the time frame. It was pretty quick. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. quick. It sounds like it was. But then just as we came up to the uh, shoreline, you know, we heard everybody yelling, you know, yeah. he's, they got other guys free and we could look out and we could see, oh, we could see the guy who's flowing was... down with the water. Um, you know, we could see him bobbing. Um, mm. So we knew, you know, again, so then we're going to see him, you know, get stuck in the strainer. So we knew we had really no time to really respond. So rather than to even take the time to get that first gentleman out of the boat, Oh, you went back. We just we just took yeah. off again. Okay. You know that would even that much would have taken too much. Gotcha. Yeah, because when they came up, you know, I was right on the boat seeing. And then at, this was all the kind of the same time. Right. I looked down. They're there. This guy comes start coming down, basically just behind us, uh, who's got spit out of the the strainer or out of the boil. Yeah. And I said, "Is he okay?" And Kenny said, "Yeah." yeah. And I said, "Well, go." go. So that right. way, we weren't wasting time. It had been another who knows another minute or maybe longer to get some people over to get him out and clear out of the way so they could take off instead they just shoved off and went gotcha well so then we were in pursuit of this gentleman who was floating down the river again so now we're we're had the boat headed downstream you know um so again that's not an optimal situation we have to be faster than the water to right. have any control yeah um so we then we approached the uh, the uh, bridge abutments for the roadway, which was the bridge ahead of the, you know, the pedestrian bridge. Okay. So as he, he would disappear at times while he was flowing down and, and I couldn't see him at that point, mm. you know, Kenny's kind of giving me directions, you know, as best he can, but then I'm having trouble controlling the boat ahead of all this moving water. So we narrowly missed one of the bridge abutments and came around the other side and I had completely lost a gentleman. But as we came around that abutment, Kenny said he was up pretty much within 10 feet of where the first gentleman was. Right. Um, but in this case, because we were trying, we were hoping to catch him before that point, which we were not able to, 
I was approaching this gentleman from the opposite direction. So okay. we approached the first gentleman from what we call river right. Okay. We're approaching the second gentleman from river left, and there's not as much real estate of the river okay. on that approaching from that direction. Is that reference into the river flow? Yeah, if you're, looking, yes. if you're okay. looking downstream, downstream, river right river is always right. on your right, okay, and river left's on your left. Um, so we just didn't have as much space. Plus, then it was it was a more continuous strainer across the oh. center section of the river okay. and then these there was a couple of spillways on the corners yes so you know a lot of water was being diverted right. you know some of it was obviously flowing through some of it was flowing over but the majority of it was being brought around these two um you know waterways on either side mm-hmm. and that was again the strainers is big logs i mean it's humongous it's, logs. It's, it's, it was but I, mean, I mean these logs were probably easily huge trees yeah 70 and 80 feet in length well, yeah if they can withstand a river force yeah right, they have sure. to be huge yeah and 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 together right it's it's oh yeah they just kind of when the water there. went down they were still stacked up against the bridge abutments wow when we went back i we remember went back days yeah. later and i mean it, it was mm-hmm. it was frightening to see how tall that was it was easily 10 feet off the water when the water went down. It was just a wall, like somebody, you know, built like a log cabin, you know, just this wall of logs all the way up the side of these bridge abutments that, uh, and that just told us how high that water got, you know, especially in that little confined area, that kind of swift water pool that was created between the dam and the strainers. Um, so anyway, so as we approached from that direction, uh, again, so, I had to bring the boat around to come get him broadside to all those forces. You know, it was, it was absolutely, you know, a, kind of a worst case scenario because I had, again, I didn't want to approach with my tail to the strainer mm-hmm. because I didn't want to, you know, lose power. Um, so I had to come in sideways, taking on all the force of that water. Plus now we were kind of in the, the really big flow because everything was being diverted off to the side. Right. Um, so that's where we, we, you know, we, we started to approach him. He started to come off the strainer anyway. And at that point, I knew that we were in a pretty unsustainable position mm-hmm. at that point. Um, we would either have to abandon completely, bring it around, you know, and, and stay above it. When you talk about swift water, if you're going to have to deal with a strainer head on because you have no choice, um, you want to attack it. You don't want okay. to haphazardly go over a strainer right. so in our case going forward you know plenty of power you don't you're, want to get hung up and so so you're going over the top of the strainer yeah so we went over the top of the strainer oh. in pursuit of this gentleman matt says he attacked it that's an understatement he evil knievel the thing and from my vantage point i'm looking you know and this is river left so he he went to the strainer to the left which is where the there was just you could see two huge logs that were creating mm-hmm. the height yeah, with, yeah. and I'm watching him and all of a sudden I went, Whoa, there he went. So he went and <laughs> it dropped. Airborne or something? Did it, well, did it I couldn't see him couldn't. from, from where I'm still standing in oh, the backyard and gotcha. I couldn't see him. And I thought, Oh no, he could have went over. Well, yeah, it could have flipped. I don't know. Cause I couldn't see. And then finally I could see him kind of spit out in the distance. And this is when he's about in the middle. Right. Um, but it was, a. Uh, I can't imagine the ride Kenny had. I don't know if he was ready for it, but but it, but but at that point, like he said, I felt much better because then I knew they're past really all of the the real danger. Yeah. So remember, we still have us two in the boat. We have the one victim that is alert. Right. In Some the boat. Alert. Yeah. Yeah. He was. 
depleted of energy. And so the second victim did did go through the strainer. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, he did go through. We were afraid he was going to get caught up. That's why Matt did what he was trying to do. Okay. He was spit out. When we went over the strainer, Matt kind of turned around, and he happened to be, what, 10 feet away from the boat, oh my 20 gosh, feet so away you, from you, the boat. You almost He's, positioned yourself exactly. He where came you. out, turned around, went upstream like you're positioned like you're supposed to. We kind of oriented ourselves for a split second, and then it was like, oh, well, there he is. Wow. So that was fortunate. Now right. they've made contact with the second victim who was initially caught in the boil. Yeah. They're downstream of everything, so they're past both bridges. Right. And like Matt was saying, the water was still moving, but, I mean, now they've got massive amounts of space, yeah. and it's all manageable. Yeah, and it's, it's not it's turbulent, obviously. It's more like stuff that we would be comfortable training in. We gotcha. would never train in the other environment. Oh, okay. It would just be dumb. Yeah. Right. So we, appro- we approached risky. the second victim, and I, I grabbed him, and <clears throat> I had him, and Matt was like, do you have him? I was like, and at that point in time, I w- he was kind of going under the boat, and I was like, no, I don't have him, and he repositioned the boat, and they, he came right there, and oh I remember gosh, trying yes. to pull him in and saying, hey, man, I, I need a hand. He's like, I got I to gotta control the boat, but he was able to give one hand, and then I pulled him in. Now, there's video of this, and it looks just look like I leaned over and just yanked him in. I mean, it just, it was that fast. Right. But you were you were driving the boat, and you were helping lift the guy out of the Well, boat. yeah, I tried to reach. I don't know how much help I gave Kenny, but, uh, <laughs> you know, At least I, I was very modest. Yeah, I, was, I, I, I think you gave him a lot of help. Yeah. <laughs> Positioning the boat was huge. Yes, I got him out of the water. I got him in. I got him oriented, um, and then... You know, back to the floor and immediately started CPR okay. on him. Um, as soon and, as I would, and the reason why you started CPR? Well, he'd been a couple of different reasons. Well, one, he was witness to go unconscious. So in a matter of six to ten minutes, he he had gone unconscious. Okay. So there was still a chance. There's always a chance. We're gonna put this much effort into anything. We train all the time on this stuff. We're gonna follow through until there's the doctors say there's no chance. Sure. So yeah. we give him every chance we can. Right. Um, so we started, started CPR on him immediately. Um, I think Matt said something, Hey, we good. And so we spun around. Well, we hovered there for a second, listening to radio traffic, what we should do. Mm-hmm. And out of the corner of my eye, and he had a better vantage point. There was just a lot of brush mm-hmm. everywhere. There was nothing. Mm. No good place to go. No, no yep. good place right there. So it was determined. Yeah. So all of, all of the rest of, uh, you know, the safety personnel were on Westfield Boulevard. Okay. Uh, yep. As well as there were a lot of bystanders by now on the br- on the pedestrian bridge and on the Westfield Boulevard, and so at this point, um, we're looking. And again, the, the the closest spot they could come back to to the to us would be right where the strainer water was being dropped out on river right and left. Sure. It wasn't really conducive to bringing back that direction. Right. So again, more risk. Right. You're just risking. Yeah. People. So I mean. Matt is is probably our best boat handler in the city, and mm-hmm. he made a smart decision, and and uh, he turned around and just started going downstream until he, he could find somewhere to get in. Which so. is um, empties into White River if you go far enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I assume you didn't get that no, far. No, no, there was that section where the the kind of where the end of uh, Williams Creek yeah. comes in right there. Yes, and uh, that created. Um, there was just a little bit of a calm area over there. Okay. Right in the um, bend. And, you know, gotcha. I could see that there were some people watching from that point, too. Okay. And so, you know, I knew there was, was help there. Some and we had our access. radios with us. So we, we shot straight in to that point, uh, beached the boat, 
and then um, we're able to ask those people, uh, you know, what address we were at, mm. you know, from the river. We had no idea where we were, and uh, we were able to call that in and uh, ask for the appropriate resources that we would need at that location. And then, uh, you know, it was then no easy task to continue to resuscitate the one gentleman, yeah, uh, as well as get the other gentleman out of the boat. Um, so and I assume was, the people did the people on the shore help do that? Yeah. So oh sure, yeah. yeah. So this they were very helpful. Tixon, we're talking about get, getting the gentleman into the boat. The second gentleman was significant, was heavier than the first gentleman yeah. getting him in the boat. Plus, he had no clothes. When Matt and I beached the boat, him and I struggled to get the guy out of the boat. The two of us sure struggled to get him wow. out. And actually, I think the bystander helped uh, helped yeah. us get him out as well. And then we continued CPR on the ground. This is really, in my opinion, is truly the amazing part of, of what these guys did, notwithstanding everything they just told you. But, you know, glazed over all this, there's certain things that were going on, like one, uh, the whereabouts and the instinct to start compressions, mm -hmm. to clear out enough room to do it regardless, um, you know, to be able to maneuver the boat, to at least get in better positions to get him inside mm -hmm. before he could start compressing. But the fact that he started compressions immediately, he was he was uh, handling the boat, talking to us on the radio, still able to communicate um, the whereabouts then to find an area he could get out where it was calm enough that they could leave the boat and get out and start helping with these people. And then immediately upon arrival, getting in a dress and getting pertinent medical information over the radio mm -hmm. for our people to respond to. Now, these are all just, you know, it's notwithstanding the fantastic things that they did physically mm -hmm. and maneuvering the boat and, mm -hmm. and doing the actual rescue, but the peripheral things that we need for an, a successful operation were, were up there as well. Now, they that's something the public's never going to pay attention to because mm -hmm. it's usually all on our end, but all mm -hmm. of those things are pivotal. Had he not had a radio or been able to communicate the whole mm -hmm. time, we can't see where they went. It's a, it was an uncommon street. And where, and where did you have to go? Did you have to go? Well, around? it was basically kind of the road just to the east of Park Tudor. Our PIO was able to get there pretty quickly. Our special, one of our special operations support guys was able to get there quickly. Um, and an ambulance was able to get there quickly. So, and it was all because of what they were doing. They gave both of them the best possible chance they could have. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, it started really at the front end with 32s and, and sixes, mm -hmm. spotting people, keeping what keeping, you know, bystanders back, trying to get ropes and, and PFDs out to the victim. And, you know, so when we got there, we were able to just go right into what we're trained to do. Mm -hmm. You know, so many things could have gone wrong, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, I would make <laughs> that step very, way. very clear to the public that, you know, even in this situation, one gentleman lived, one gentleman did not. And in swift water conditions and floodwater conditions, there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees we're going to be able to, to rescue you. Sure. So yeah. so people that go out and think, well, I can just call 911, that may not be what right. your, your safety... Right, they'll come save me, I'll you know, be fine. Yeah, that's yeah. not necessarily true. We'll yeah. do our very best. We'll put ourselves out there to the nth degree. But at the end of the day, that might not be enough. You know, both of these guys had kayaked multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, they had planned this kayak. He went out several days before, walked certain sections mm. he went to that exact spot mm. their plan was to get out and you know ferry their boats around the dam and then re-enter and keep oh, going i didn't realize that but they came down and it was moving too quickly they could not get over to the side wow. and so they both got sucked over what they didn't take into account and what i'm sure a lot of people don't is uh 
we had significant rains up in Cicero. I live up in Cicero. Yeah. So that water's coming south, and that's the avenue it takes. So with all that water up there, in addition to the water we already had, Maybe. elevated it, sped it up. By the time they came around the corner off White River into Williams Creek, it was too late. They, yeah. they didn't have enough time to even get to the side. When the scale of the water exceeds what people understand, um, that's when they get themselves in trouble. I mean, th that day we were out, one of the reasons we could not throw that first gentleman a rope was mm -hmm. there were entire trees that were just being tumbled through this oh, dam. Yeah, wrapped um, up the rope. Yeah, wrap up the rope. We didn't want to get pulled in there. It was, oh, it was just so unlikely that we were going to be able to effect a rescue of him away from the face of the dam right um because the the just the massive i mean again the, the the dam didn't look significant because by the time the water was up it only looked like it was falling a foot right, right. how bad could it be but it was millions of gallons of water and you and know bigger too. But you know what i'm saying so all that force going down yeah the, the the danger is hidden at that point right and and a, a scale of force that people just are not familiar with you yeah. know whatsoever and so that's that's where it becomes deceptive and dangerous. Something that actually decent that came out of this is the the gentleman that survived. Um, he has become a pretty pretty vocal advocate. He's uh, involved with multiple groups now. He's got mm. there's actually a city group that has some high ups from the fire department, the police department, city planning, the mayor's office that he's involved with trying to get out awareness of these low head dams. Yeah. Um, so just to further validate the. Um, heroic effort you guys were awarded a couple of awards right there is a a organization called the higgins and langley and it it is in honor of one civilian and one firefighter that died in 80 and 81 mm -hmm. one was in um are they were both in los angeles if i remember right yes mm -hmm. they're both los the angeles. civilian there was a boy stuck in that what the aqueduct or yeah. you know their their storms thing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and the, uh, a kid was coming down and this guy was able to take off clothes or his shirt or whatever to get the kid and pull him or get him to the side, save the kid's life. But he ended up dying. Mm, and then the other one was a firefighter who was trained in a, a lot of a lot of places around the country where they have, you know, they have raging water on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. They do helicopter rescues where they'll drop guys in or they'll lower yep. them down. And I've seen that. You know, on the TV other one died in a, in a helicopter incident, but he was a, you know, highly trained water rescue guy. Um, anyhow, they started a, a, a foundation uh, to do some awareness. And now they do awards yearly international for swift water excellence. They actually sought us out because of what our chief, what Rita Wright has put out on social media, mm -hmm. the stuff, a lot of people who in this industry or in the, the swift water rescue industry um, were able to see some of the things. And then they, they said, hey, we want some more information on it. Mm -hmm. And they said, we'd like you to submit your crews for, you know, for these awards. And uh, we were recognized, particularly these guys, for that rescue mm -hmm. And then 32s and 6s, the, the first arriving companies, mm -hmm. they weren't recognized for that rescue. But um, was it a week later, even a shift? Hey, it was two shifts later. So it was a week later, two kayakers on a first date went over and were stuck in the same boil. Now, the conditions were not as bad. Mm -hmm. 32s got there, had remembered everything from our run, and they mm -hmm. were they had the whereabouts to have their... A life vest on to throw a rope out to him, which wow. eventually it kind of churned its way over to the girl. The boy had gotten himself out. Okay. 
she grabbed hold and they got her out. So wow. they were recognized for really not having any training. Yeah. But you know, doing awareness what, level and doing, doing whatever they could. They, they did, did it to right. a they did, tee. They did an awesome yeah, job. They did a great job. And so we ended up, which was kind of neat. I think they gave out seven awards last year and our department got two of them. Wow. So, well, but yeah, I mean, so again, this yeah. is international. There were yeah, two helicopter rescues that were just unbelievable. And there yeah, was, no, there was a rescue in Australia. Um, yeah, that then, bog everything's fine. pretty much usually out West. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. You think, I bet people were like, there's nothing in Indiana to make people at risk. That's the White River we talked about. <laughs> you know, we're going to have one of the cleanest waterways in the country right. when this, you know, when when the wastewater facility is completed. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to create more opportunity for people to get out in the water, which I think is great. I, you know, everyone wants to be a part of that. But you also have to be smart enough to understand mm -hmm. that you can't control a lot of things. Well, hey, guys. Oh, my gosh. You know, words can't describe how thankful we are. I'm speaking for the community in the city. So, well, thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. So, I'm at the Broad Ripple Brew Pub. Sitting with me is Billy Hannon. Hi, Billy. How are you? Hi, good. How are you, Brad? I'm doing great. I just finished up my brew pub burger and my coleslaw, and I'm sitting here with an IPA sure. watching the World Cup. Yeah. It ain't getting much better than that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Anything else on the menu that's unique this uh, month? Well, I mean, uh, this month, well, we always have our specials come out every Wednesday. Um, right. One thing that I think people might like is a uh, pork tenderloin uh, ruben. Okay. Now we, we deep fry it. Okay. It gives it a, an unusual flavor. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's one that people would like. Um, My mouth watering and I just yes. ate. Yes. <laughs> that's a problem. Yes. Uh -huh. So tell me about the new collaboration with Upland. This one we're doing with uh, Upland is unusual in that all the ingredients come from Indiana. Cool. So you've got uh, malts that come from uh, uh, various places that produce malt in the state. Uh, at least seven different kinds of hops, all from farms in Indiana producing hops. And then probably the most unusual thing is uh, the yeast. The yeast comes from a flower that grew like behind the bird. Oh, really? And uh, brought it to um, uh, IU where they, they're able to take yeast and work it up into a liquid form hmm. that you can then use to brew beer. So what's what's going on at the brew pub in the next few weeks that you want to share with folks? Uh, our uh, next big event is uh, our hump day concert on the uh, July 11th. Uh, band is called the Porchman, which I think you're familiar yeah, with. Yeah, let's Porchman. go. Let's go full disclosure here. <laughs> I am in the band, the Porchman. <laughs> yeah, so. This is a completely a coincidence. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So come one Wednesday, watch the Porchman and have an Upland Brew Pub. What do you call it? The Hills Have Rise. All right, Billy. Well, hey, I'm going to let you go because right. I know you got a lot of. You know, sure. it's Friday. Busy day, yes. yeah, yeah, always and a good day. To be busy this evening. So. All right, man. Thanks Probably. a lot. Okay, all right. We'll see you. All right, I want to give another big shout out to our sponsors, the Brew Pub, as you heard, um, Billy Hannon talking about what's coming up, and also Bricks Ice Cream Station. They've made this uh, episode possible, and I really appreciate the sponsorship. Let's go ahead and move to open stage. This week we have Divali Big Band. I recorded this on uh, April 7th, the 24th anniversary of the Jazz Kitchen. It was a wonderful show. It was a great performance, and this is one of the cuts. Enjoy.
That was Steve Ali, big band, uh, performing live at the Jazz Kitchen on April 7th for their 24th anniversary. What a great show that was. What a great room that is. I really enjoyed recording that, and uh, the sound quality there is a testament to the the great room that the Jazz Kitchen has there. So highly recommend you check out uh, any of the shows they have uh, seven days a week at the Jazz Kitchen. Well, that does it for today's show. Remember to like us on Facebook. Stay up to date. You can also make comments there as well as on the website, broadripplevillagepodcast.com. Again, another shout out to our sponsors, Broad Ripple Brew Pub and Broad Ripple Ice Cream Station, otherwise known as Bricks. If you can, pay them a special visit and thank them for sponsoring this show. Enjoy your day and we'll talk to you soon.